Tissot Pop Season 1 Episode 2 Remastered. Hi, it's Laura here. As part of our five-year anniversary here at Tissot Pop, we're working back through the archives to remaster earlier episodes to make them clearer and easier to listen to. This episode from Season 1 focuses on finding LGBTQ plus inclusive communities as a travelling TESOL teacher. While some things have changed since we recorded this episode back in 2018 in Hong Kong, Brian's story and experiences still remain relevant to today. Let's jump in to join the conversation where I asked Eve why it's important that we discuss today's topic. I think it's obviously a really important topic, but I think questions uh, very rarely get asked and addressed in a public way. I think we wanted to interview somebody to find out about what it is like living and working in countries um, where LGBT is perhaps illegal or discriminated against. So to help us today with our questions, we have our special guest, Brian. Hello. Brian, would you like to introduce yourself briefly and just say where you've uh, worked as a teacher and trainer? Uh, yes, um, I've worked in Taiwan, Hong Kong, and also Tunisia, and a bit in Europe as well, and in Dubai. Um, so could you tell me maybe a bit about the countries uh, that you've lived in and the particular stance on LGBT? Well, technically in Tunisia, there are um, organizations that are a little bit underground, that do have a movement that do talk about, you know, LGBT issues. However, the country itself, the government doesn't recognize um, recognized um, LGBTQ rights, as to speak, and also um, same-sex activity may lead to some legal troubles for some people. Mm-hmm. And you also lived in Taiwan for a while, didn't you? Could you tell me a little bit about that? Yeah, Taiwan was probably um, a bit more liberal when it comes to LGBTQ. And um, recently, as you've seen, they've now legalized gay marriage. When I lived there in 2003, um, it was still a movement that was very much still happening, but it was a bit more open. I would say it was a bit more similar to our Western counterparts. And again, people there were, you know, didn't necessarily discuss it, you know, in the workplace, but it still was known as where I feel maybe in some places and other parts of the world you may mm-hmm. um, be a bit more discreet and it's not as it's not as seen, I would say. Did you have any reservations before you went to places like Tunisia or even Taiwan back in the early noughties on going there as a member of the LGBT community and how that may affect your, your work or, or your quality of life there? Um, it's definitely something I thought of. But I didn't think it um, was my overall deciding factor. I think there's a lot of, um, you know, misconceptions about that. Well, if the government feels a particular way, that means the people obviously feel that way. And that wasn't necessarily the case in countries that were a bit more conservative. In fact, I found just as many open local people who got to know me and became my friend and didn't take any issue with being gay, straight, or bisexual. So in countries where there is a lot of discrimination against um, LGBT, is there still a sense of community there? Well, that's an interesting question because I never felt like my life was in jeopardy where I lived. I would definitely not recommend going out and waving a rainbow flag in some mm-hmm. bit more conservative countries. But fine, fair enough. That would go almost for anything, though, because you have to get certain permits to protest and you have certain you know, certain channels you have to go through. And it's not really, 
I didn't feel that it was my right to say this is what you should do with your country. I considered myself a guest. If you meant if I had people around me that were supportive of me, yeah. And did we discuss issues? Did we talk about things? Did we talk about the problems in that particular place? Absolutely. Or the worries and concerns, yeah. So I never felt isolated where I felt like I didn't have a community around me. And of course, that can vary to country to country because you know, you can't just lump countries into one because what's a particular problem in one country doesn't necessarily mean it's another, you know, take the fact that in Tunisia, women work in government and drive cars and drive by themselves. In Saudi Arabia, they, they didn't at that time. And that's now just recently changed. But that was a problem in Saudi Arabia, not Tunisia. And again, I feel that, you know, it kind of depends on where you live, what country you live in, and just automatically the people that you surround yourself with. But could you find any pro-LGBT events, for example? Yes, but they were very much underground. Mm. You know, they were very much like, you know, passed along and they were mm. held at people's homes or they were held at like a bar that we happened to know that was a bit more mixed, you know, mm. and that the suspicion wasn't exactly, we weren't seen, you know, if you, if you will. So talking about employers, did you ever feel like... Um, you know, that your employers showed any prejudice against you or that um, being gay hindered your progress uh, only at work? I felt supported by the company I work for. Um, well, the British Council has very strong, um, you know, workers' rights, I would say, and very supportive of gay and lesbian couples. However, due to country laws, though, you may not be able to bring your partner to certain countries. Mm -hmm. And that's not the fault of like the council. That's just the country where they don't recognize gay marriage. In fact, Hong Kong um, does not recognize gay marriage. So you're not mm -hmm. even technically allowed to marry in Hong Kong. But even a country as you know, international as Hong Kong, you know, mm -hmm. LGBT rights or LGBTQ rights um, are also still developing here, you know. And, um, and with employers, though, like, there's, with some employees, they do have protection. With other employers, they don't. Bit of a personal question now. What about relationship prospects? Uh, do you think that you could have found a long-lasting, satisfying relationship in North Africa if that is what you wanted to do? Well, I couldn't find one in the U.S. <laughs> I couldn't find one in North Africa. I don't know if it was really <laughs> the country itself. I think it's just me. <laughs> but, um I have friends that have relationships in North Africa that have been together for a long time. Like I said, I don't think they advertise the relationship, but obviously they're close friends and the family mm -hmm. that is accepting of it know of their relationship and stuff. But it is on the down low. I do think you can find lasting relationships. However, you do have to understand that it does come with a little more complication, perhaps. Mm -hmm. You know, it's not always easy. But that that could just be, that could be anywhere in the world in some sense where people aren't necessarily comfortable with themselves. Yeah. But I feel like, personally, I feel like, you know, this may be true or not true, it's really subjective, is that, that I feel that there's more complications when someone isn't out to their family or has legal, mm -hmm. could potentially face legal problems, especially maybe even stricter countries, you know, that really have a problem with that. So again, it depends where you are, are depends on the government at that time. It also depends on, you know, that person, mm -hmm. you know, and how comfortable they are. For listeners um, that may be of the LGBT community that are listening today, do you have any advice for them that you wish people had given you before you travelled um, to different countries and places? Yeah, I wish I had done a bit more research with like organizations and clubs and researching the laws 
um, regarding LGBTQ rights in those countries. Also, um, I was very fortunate that I worked for such a good organization as the British Council at that time, because, um, like I said, it was a very inclusive environment as far as like, you know, LGBTQ is concerned. And I hadn't researched that myself. You know, I just happen to be fortunate. So I would highly, highly suggest what type of organization you're working for, especially if they hold different principles and beliefs, because there's a lot of different types of NGOs working out there, a lot of different types of missionaries that employ English teachers. You don't want to get into a position where perhaps you'd feel uncomfortable or, Mm -hmm. you know, that was kind of limiting in your self-expression, if that's a problem for you. How would you recommend that they go about getting that information from from companies? Is that just something that should be publicly available? It is usually like the British Council on their website. They have it, you know, publicized and we do not discriminate against Mm -hmm. this, 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 this and this. And, you know, it's actually quite available and it's something people like um, banks, for example, even if you're not like HSBC, Goldman Sachs, you know, um, they have very strong supportive LGBTQ, Mm -hmm. you know, rights. So and it's very much advertised as we've seen over the past yeah. year with the colored lions. You That's know? true. <laughs> so perhaps a way of going about that would be yeah. to ask the employer about their anti-discriminatory yeah. um, policies and how they ensure that they operate an inclusive environment in their in their company or school or whatever it is. And there's all these organizations too, like even underground organizations that post information about LGBTQ uh, rights all over the place. like. When I thought about living in the Ukraine, I definitely researched that, you know, because it was a, you know, there was, mm-hmm. you know, definitely, um, I was a little bit worried about that. And it was really well available through the internet and through like finding gay bars and finding, um, you know, local places. You'd find a lot of information just on that through the local population and also just um, through, like I said, your local gay bar tends to always have literature at the front door for it. So yeah. it's a good place to look. Great. I think that's some really good practical advice and some tangible things that people can do if they are thinking of uh, going to live or work in these countries. Um, so I'd like just like to say thank you very much to Brian yeah, thanks, for Brian. coming in today to You're speak welcome. to us. A big thank you to Haven Sang for remastering this episode. To support the work we do at TESOL Pop, you can leave a rating and review wherever you listen to the podcast or share today's episode with your teaching community or even buy us a coffee at ko forward slash TESOL Pop. <laughs>